Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 32 of Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopech, your host for this evening, coming at you live from Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, as we do each and every week. Dr. Frey, how are you making out so far? I'm doing great, Jason. Another good week. Hey, we got a great crowd down here tonight. Probably one of the best we've seen in a couple of months, right? I like it. I like it. People starting to come back. I don't know. I, I think maybe we got started a little bit later, mm-hmm. and that's when we get our busier nights. But, yeah, it worked out tonight. And the, the the menu here at Neck of the Woods seems to be changing a little bit. They're adding some more beers on tap, and I wonder if that has something to do with the crowd. People coming down to check them out, right? Freaking delicious. Like, so good. What, um, what'd you go with tonight? I went with one of the stronger ones. Uh, I went with uh, one of the porter, the nitro porters. And, and I don't know if anyone's had uh, nitro coffee, but it, it's like so smooth and velvety and delicious, but strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, goes the same with the porter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and this thing is tasty, man, like caramel and, and kind of vanilla. And, and it, it's, it's, it's really good. Let me ask you this. Do you do you ever listen to our episodes? Uh, I listen to every single episode. And do you critique how, how bad you, you know you mess up and things like that? Because I do. And, and I find things that I'm like, man, I got to clean that up next time. That's all I do, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, 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 same yeah. here. So the one thing I noticed, I, I've been referring to the Washington football team as that team that we're not supposed to use anymore. Right. Their old right. name. Right. OK. Yeah. And, and I never called on to that. But every time I would listen, I'd be like, wow, there it goes. I said it again. I said the R word. Right. Seriously. Yeah. And I, I, I and even Dr. Brandt was on with us and uh-huh. never corrected me. Um, I got to tell you, it, it didn't. I, it's I, just, I could, completely missed it. I'm a creature of habit. Sure. But uh, tonight's episode revolves around Kenyon Drake of the Las Vegas Raiders. Right. Who was injured in the game against the Washington football team. Nice week correction. 13, 12. Uh, it was December 5th. Right. So we're actually a week behind, but this kind of uh, injury was interesting. Yeah. In that, brought a little bit of controversy. Right. The mechanism seemed to be something we've seen before, mm-hmm. but had a completely different outcome. Right. And as we now know, Kenyon Drake suffered a season-ending ankle fracture. Right. And you know, we we've covered a lot of different ankle episodes, right? We've had sprains and you know things like that, and, and multiple different varieties of right. sprain. We've we've also done other fractures. We've done uh, you know like distal tibial fractures, mm-hmm. back Prescott and and, and and the likes. And yeah, yeah. So this is um, somehow we have not covered this particular topic. But in that game, he's pulled down from behind. Yeah. The defender kind of rolls under him. Mm-hmm. His his legs get rolled up on. Right. He has this eversion type mechanism uh-huh. and he goes down in a considerable amount of pain. You can see it. Yeah. What we never want to see. He can't even leave under his own power. They right. bring the golf cart out, gets ruled out of the game pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we find out he's not returning to the game. Ian Rappaport, 1030 that night, uh, puts out a tweet that says Kenyon Drake suffers season ending ankle injury uh, or ankle fracture and right. he's done for the season. Right. But oddly enough, after reviewing the clip, and I think you agreed with me when we talked about it earlier, was this looked identical to what LeBron James did right. when he rolled his ankle. LeBron James, as we know, uh, episode four or five. Way back when. Way back when. <laughs> had the high ankle sprain. But this was unfortunately a, a much different outcome for Kenyon Drake. Right. And he had an ankle fracture. Let's dive into it. Okay. Ankle fracture. Big joint. Yeah. Where specifically are we talking about in in this case? Right, right. So that that's a great question. And I can see how that could, could be confusing from kind of a layman's standpoint um, because there is a lot of variation. So when we're talking about an ankle fracture, um, there, there really 
three bones and, and making up one joint that we're talking about. The very bottom of the shin bone, the distal tibia, um, and the prominence that's on the inside portion of your ankle, the medial malleolus. Then there's the distal fibula, the little bone that's on the outside of the lower leg, and the prominence that it creates on the outside of the ankle, uh, the lateral malleolus. And, and those those joints, the tibia and the fibula, and the way that they encase or surround another bone that's underneath them called the talus. Um, they create something called a mortise. Without boring everybody, mortise is a, is, is a term. It, it actually, it's used in woodworking. It's mortise and, and I forget the other, like tonus or something or other, which, which stands for tongue, which is short for tongue. And basically, it's a way to create a joint in woodworking between two pieces of wood where you create it like a little square hole and you just slide a peg basically into a square hole. And that's really what the joint looks a lot like. It's a little bit of a little house or a little little box that uh, down at the bottom of the shin bone and the, the fibula that the tail is a little fist sized bone kind of fits right up into. That articulation there between the, 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 the shin bone, the fibula, and the, and the talus, that's really what, when we talk about ankle joint, that's what we're talking about is the ankle joint. When he suffers this injury, uh -huh. or when any athlete does, we don't always have the ability to see exactly how it happened. We may see the play, we may see him get rolled up on, but we may not see what the ankle does specifically. Right. And that's the beauty of professional sports where there's camera angles at, you know, at, at all different places in the, in the arena. Yeah. Let's take Kenyon Drake over to the sideline. Mm -hmm. He tells you what happens. He says he felt his ankle roll. Right. And we do know because it was so similar to LeBron. I'm guessing that we could be thinking high ankle sprain. Absolutely. In the is picture. there anything else that this could have? You know, where is your mind jumping to on that sideline? Right, right. So the first thing that I'm thinking is this is probably an ankle sprain, either high ankle sprain or possibly medial ankle sprain or lateral ankle sprain in which case uh, in the, the, the ligaments are torn. Also in my mind is a possibility here is maybe the ligaments didn't give way, maybe it was the bone that gave way. And if the bone gave way, then there's a few different fractures that I'm, that I'm considering. Mm -hmm. One is a uh, distal tibial fracture, and it's, it's, a, it's similar to your ankle fracture, but it tends to happen just a tiny bit higher, and the fracture line tends to extend kind of into the top of that mortise that I was just talking about, as opposed to the little malleolus, that little prominence on the sides of the ankle, where which is what we more consider, we generally more consider the ankle fracture. Another fracture that I would consider as a possibility there would be what we call like a base of the fifth metatarsal fracture, which is pretty common fracture. And it's another one that we had talked about mm -hmm. earlier, Jones fracture. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, what Kenyon Drake had, which would be the ankle fracture. And there's a few different variations of that. Mm -hmm. um, there's what we call a bimalleolar ankle fracture. So both of those, the medial and the lateral, the inside prominence and the outside prominence both break fracture. Um, there's a posterior malleolar fracture. So the back of the shin bone, the tibia, that can crack and that's a posterior malleolar fracture. And sometimes there's what we call kind of these equivalent fractures, bimalleolar equivalent, where one side is the bone and the other side is a ligament, um, whether it be medial or lateral. I think all of these things are kind of on the table and running through my mind as possibilities as, as, as you know, what just happened. And, and what's the end all that separates the ankle fracture diagnosis from the two high ankle sprain, medial, uh, medial ankle sprain? So first you get an idea from your exam, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of it is palpation, you know, and 
Typically, these things swell and they swell pretty quickly. Um, you're poking around, you're palpating or pushing around in the ankle joint. And the first thing you're doing is you're pushing right over the ligaments. And if that, that's where all the tenderness is, you're feeling a little more confident mm -hmm. that this is probably a sprain and not a fracture. Um, if you're pushed directly over the bone and there's pain directly over the bone, that's a very worrisome for a fracture. I tend to be overly cautious with this where I poke around and if I push on bone, even though, even if my gut is, it's probably not a fracture. If there's a lot of bone tenderness, the bottom line is I don't have x-ray vision. I pull the person out of the game right there and then. If I'm very confident it's a sprain, then sometimes I'll let them try to get back in. But at that point, if I'm suspicious, this could be a fracture. That's it, ball game, and, and we gotta get our x-rays. And typically that's how you definitively yeah. know when you send them to go to get the x-rays. I, I must have watched that clip maybe half a dozen times mm -hmm. and, and I was curious obviously the diagnosis of the ankle fracture takes precedence and you know that's what's in the headlines and things like that but sure. given what I saw in that mechanism is it safe to, to assume that there probably is a de some degree of medial ankle sprain or high ankle sprain that's just kind yeah. of put off to the side because it's not what really that we're going to go in there and fix it's not even put off to the side yeah. sometimes that's one of the main focus of what we fix there's a whole slew of different types of ankle fractures. You have your non-operative ankle fractures, your non-displaced fractures, your, your lower lower energy type injuries, and then you have your higher, uh, higher level ankle fractures, displaced fractures, unstable fractures that go on to require surgery. And as part of that, sometimes the ligaments also tear. And this becomes a very difficult thing to talk about unless you have a basic understanding of the anatomy, unless you have a diagram or a picture up in front of you. Um, there's something uh, that I refer to as co called the mortise. And so the mortise is the, the, the talus, which is one of the bones, uh, the kind of like the main ankle bone that's underneath the, the shin bone, the tibia, being well positioned underneath the tibia. If that talus is shifted medially or laterally by uh, a millimeter, mm -hmm. there's dramatic difference in contact surface with the with the between the talus and the tibia which translates into dramatic difference in contact pressure if you have 42 percent less surface area touching then there's a lot more pressure going through the surface area that is touching which means bad things for the talus down the road unless you get that corrected so we look for the mortise if that mortise is shifted um, and there's another thing called medial clear space, where the talus is relative to the to the, the bottom of the shin bone, the medial malleolus, the tibia. If that's also, if that's widened, if that's separated, this is an unstable fracture, and then yet you're you're potentially heading down mm -hmm. a surgical pathway. Sometimes what happens is you get the ankle fracture, and then you also get tearing of the ligaments between the fibula mm -hmm. and the tibia which is a high ankle fracture. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's, a, there's, a, there's one fracture pattern called a masonew fracture, where you um, break the bone uh, on the medial malleolus, that, 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 that prominence on the inside. The force goes through the, the high ankle, mm -hmm. like through all those ligaments, the interosseous ligament, mm -hmm. the, uh, the anterior inferior talofibrillar ligament, the, the posterior, the, the, the whole, there's like four uh, ligaments essentially that make up your, your high ankle ligament complex. It tears all the way up through that, and then it actually goes out the fibula way up by the knee. So, so yeah, no, you totally can get this um, ankle fracture and high ankle sprain. And if you address one during the surgery and ignore the other, 
that person is not having a good outcome. You have to you have to stabilize everything. Is this we, we, we talked about it before that maybe sometimes the injuries are just related to physics itself. But mm -hmm. what made this an ankle fracture? Was there anything that you could see that this was not just a medial ankle sprain right. or not just, you know, like I said, it was very similar to LeBron James's injury that and his was a high ankle sprain and yeah. he came back in six weeks. Yeah. So so. I think there, there are two main classification systems that we use when we're talking about ankle fractures in the orthopedic world. One is the Log Hansen, uh, Log Hansen classification or Loggy Hansen classification system. The other is Denis Weber. Uh, Denis Weber is very simple. Um, it's based on where the fibula fracture is. Is it below um, what we call the syndesmosis, what we've been talking about for high ankle sprain? If it's below, it's a Weber A. If it's kind of at that level, it's a Weber B. And if it's above, it's a Weber C. It's very helpful because it helps dictate or, or helps indicate whether there's an associated high ankle sprain or syndesmotic injury, which is a big factor in terms of your treatment and your surgery, but it's simply very basic. The other one that I was talking about, the Loggy Hansen classification, is based on the position of the foot during the time of the injury, supination or pronation usually, and the force across the ankle uh, during the time of the injury, which is typically an external rotation for force or an abduction force. So you have the really four types. There's a supination, external rotation type injury. There's a pronation, abduction type injury. There's a supination, adduction type injury, and a pronation, external rotation injury. A long answer to your short question is simply the position of his foot was this pronation type uh, position and then the weak link on the chain gives way. And, and to be honest, I don't know if it was a pronation external rotation or a pronation abduction. It looked like it could have been either based on the injury, but then um, because it was probably such a direct force across there, instead of the ligament giving way in the middle, it was actually knocked off the piece of bone as, as, as it went out. And those actually tend to be worse fractures, I hate to say. If you didn't have any kind of background on this in terms of you didn't know what this the outcome of this was, mm -hmm. if I showed you the clip yeah. and said, Dr. Frey, this this athlete is going to be getting surgery based off of this injury. Right. Could you look at that and say he could have avoided surgery if this or that? Would there have been an outcome where surgery was not needed? Yeah. So you can have ankle fractures that don't get surgery. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 100%. Typically, a non-displaced medial malleolus fracture doesn't get surgery in isolation. Mm -hmm. Typically, um, a lateral malleolus, so the distal fibula, that has less than three millimeters of displacement without any instability of the talus, so medial, no medial clear space mm -hmm. widening, no uh, widening of the syndesmosis, you're going to treat that non-operatively. So, so, yeah, there are a few scenarios. When I watched his... I said, oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> you know, this, this is probably going the variety that's going to yeah. wind up needing surgery. So, so, and the truth is, I don't, I don't know which one he had. Right. Right. right? Like I, they're, they're, that's kind of what I was hitting at. Right. Like, can we start to narrow down what type of, I think it's one of two. This was? Yeah. I do. I think, it's, I think it's one of two. First of all, being a medical student doing an orthopedic rotation and sort of being blown away by the fact that things break the same way over and over and over based on a standard force that's placed across the bone yeah. based on ligament attachments and strength of bone the strength of the bone at certain points so we get fracture patterns now every now and again you get like a high energy and in injury and something's what we call dusted it's smashed it just it doesn't doesn't follow any of the sort of standard fracture patterns but in general 
most breaks happen in a standard pattern. And, and so watching his ankle injury, I thought to myself, this is either a pronation abduction injury, uh, a bimalleolar or trimalleolar ankle, ankle fracture, or a pronation external rotation injury, again, bimalleolar or trimalleolar ankle fracture. Both of those need surgery. Yeah. Oddly enough, and this we'll, we'll, we'll touch on a little bit of the controversy of things, but Kenyon Drake suffered a an ankle injury last year on a similar play. Right. It was a high ankle sprain. Yeah. He only missed one game. I, I don't low know. Low grade then, huh? Low yeah, grade. Like, 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 typically that's longer. Not entirely sure. I, I tried to look into it a little bit, whether it was the same ankle. Right. Let's just assume it was. Could the ankle have just been weaker at that point? Or does that, so. no correlation there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a correlation. Yeah. I think that's terrible luck. Yeah. And in fact, you know, you bring up a really good point, right? Like, like he had a similar tackle last year, mm -hmm. sustained a high ankle sprain, missed a little bit of time, gets tackled again the same way. And what does he say after, after the injury? What does he come out and say? He's frustrated. Yeah. Like, like this should be an illegal way to, to, mm -hmm. for, for people to get tackled. Right. You know, we saw a similar thing. Like you said, when um, like we, we were talking before the show a little bit, where where um, uh, Terrell Owens mm -hmm. got tackled, horse collar tackle, mm -hmm. and it wound up with uh, his high ankle sprain, yeah. the, the, the diastasis of the uh, of the of the joint, yeah. and he wound up needing surgery. The rule against horse collar tackles is a direct product of that. Right. You know, is he making a good point that mm -hmm. this shouldn't be a legal tackle? Yeah. I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, and he, you know, Kenyon Drake came out and just you know. Let's just be honest. He kind of blasted the NFL sure. that we're we're doing so much to protect the quarterbacks, and yet we're allowing this to happen. And you know, he suffered two substantial injuries back to back years on the same exact play. Right. I, I think he's got some credibility there. What one of his other arguments is like, you know, we we protect the quarterback mm -hmm. so much, like, and you know, you can't stand over a guy after you tackle him. Right. You know, yeah. uh, which I get kind of in the sportsmanship of things. Yeah. Um, but like taunting penalty, taunting, right, yeah. right. But with the quarterbacks, it's, it's, it is, you know, I understand there's so much value mm -hmm. in the quarterback. There's so few and far between. Um, uh, it's such, so, so I understand why you want to want to protect the quarterbacks, but there, it is to a point where like, like, you know, Tom Brady, if you, if, if, if you, you sneeze anywhere in, in right. within 10 feet of them, you know, you're getting a penalty. Oh, then, there's know? another example. I mean, that, that became the hitting the quarterback below right. the knee rule. I mean, that right. was all because they lost him. Yeah. Quarter one of week one. I'm, I'm probably going to be wrong here, but that was like the 2008, 2009 season. Wasn't it Tampa Bay that did it too? The I, irony. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> the irony, just, yeah. It's just, just coming back to me. Yeah. But yeah, so so like, look, uh, Kenny Pickett, right? Uh, yeah. College quarterback um, uh, was in the Heisman running, running up the field in the ACC finals mm -hmm. and goes to sort of half fake a slide, but then he keeps running, right? And, and you know, the guy who's about to hit him Pulls up as he sees yeah. Kenny Pick Kenny Pickett, sort of Kenny or Kyle? Kenny, right? Kenny, 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 Kenny yep. and, and and sees him about to go into his slide, pulls up, and then Kenny fakes the slide and keeps on running, yeah. scores a touchdown. Now there, I, I just I just read that the you know the NCAA is gonna actually get a do away with that. Yeah. They're gonna you're, they're not gonna let you do a fake slide yeah. anymore. You see all the time quarterbacks running up the sideline. They could step out at yard number, let's just say 15. Yeah. But they want to get a little closer, so instead they take one or two extra steps and they get to yard number 14 or yard yeah. number 13. But now they're still in bounds as the, as the linebackers close in on him, and he gets clobbered right. instead of actually stepping out. But he's near the sideline, 
ref throws the flag, right? Protects him. That that quarterback should have stepped out of yard number 15 if he didn't want to get hit. He chose not to step out of number yard number 15. He chose to take the extra step or two. Nonetheless, it's still, it's still a penalty on the quarterback. So I understand his point. And I can't imagine being the uh, the defensive player there at that point. Host. And, and yeah, like the uh, the embarrassment. And it's like, you know, like I, I'm doing everything I can. So like right. I don't get like a stupid 15-yard penalty. But then right. you're going to take advantage of me like that right. and make me look stupid. You, you, you don't know? want to be the linebacker or the defensive back that pulled up on Kenny right. Pickett and let him run right by you and score right. a touchdown. I read an interesting article where they were saying that perhaps Kenyon Drake unfortunately doesn't have the star power to really do anything right um, good player but good not, player, not that backup, next level you know not i don't think he's at the point where he's a journeyman but he's been on a few teams already right. this early in his career yeah um do you think you know the outcome would be different if this was derrick henry coming out and you know making the statement the truth is i i don't think they're going to change that i think right. it becomes a very difficult thing to regulate um it's the same tackle that happens 10 other times in an NFL game. Unfortunately, in this particular one, he got really hurt, right? And, and so it's, it's, it's as hard as it is to regulate some of the other things that they've put in place. I think this one's even harder. The truth is, I, I don't think if it, if it is Derrick Henry, you know, I still don't think they can make that rule change. I understand right. his point, but I still just don't think they can. I'm not entirely sure Derrick Henry's getting pulled down from behind like that either. <laughs> <laughs> quite honest with it, but um, yeah. Let's yeah, circle back though. So, uh, Raiders head coach comes out and says Kenyon Drake's traveling to Birmingham, not Alabama. John Gruden. Got it. Uh, yeah, not John Gruden. Yeah, uh, traveling to Birmingham mm-hmm. for ankle surgery. Yeah. Why Birmingham? You know, I asked the same question. Yeah. So, so. Um, in Birmingham, you have you know one of one of one of the the best orthopedic, yep. the most well regarded orthopedic surgeons of all time, right? Mm-hmm. He's a sports doc, right? Um, uh, Doctor Andrews. Yeah. This this is you know granted this injury happened while playing sports. Yeah. It's more of a trauma slash foot and ankle yeah. injury. So so I was a little surprised, you know. When I hear traveling to Birmingham, I think, you know, going we assume to see that's who Dr. James yeah. Andrews, right? Yeah. Like, the, you know, kind of one of the godfathers and one right. of the main. But but I don't know that he's doing a better job fixing this than, than a lot of the other trauma guys and sports guys. So the truth is, I was actually a little surprised yeah. to read that, read that. Whoever does a surgery, what's the overall outcome? What are we doing in, in the operating room? Right, right. So great question. There's there's a, m- many ways to skin a cat, right? There's mm-hmm. a, di- a lot of different ways to fix this. The most standard way. Let's so so assuming this is what we would call a bimalleolar ankle fracture. He broke both the medial prominence and the lateral prominence, the inside prominence and the outside prominence of the ankle. Um, lots of times you're putting a plate and screws on that outside prominence, trying to hold it in place. And then on that medial, the inside prominence, frequently you're doing what's called two cannulated screws, so two screws that kind of go up and across the fracture site. There are a ton of subtleties and variations in this. Sometimes you're putting a plate medially, sometimes you're putting the screws in at a different direction. You want them to cross the fracture line pretty much perpendicularly. Um, Occasionally, in some scenarios, probably not this one, you're putting a little rod up the fibula, the small bone on the outside. Sometimes there's a broken bone at the back of the ankle, the posterior mal that you gotta fix. So, so you're coming at that either from the front or from the back with, with additional screws. But it's usually some construct consistent of plate and screws. And then you're also gonna test 
what we were talking about, that high ankle sprain. Is there any instability of the ligaments between the shin bone, the tibia, and the fibula? And if so, there's a couple different ways to enhance or uh, to fix that until those ligaments heal. And typically that's either a couple screws that go across there to hold it in place, or this very super strong all suture construct with uh, metal buttons on either side to hold it in place um, until until that ligament heals in the middle. When does the rehab process for, begin? Pretty early, yeah. And one of the big concerns with this particular surgery early on is swelling, mm -hmm. right? So, so you really want to get to it very quickly or frequently you're waiting about a week for some of that swelling to go down. You don't really want to do it when it's super swollen because you can run into one of the other big issues with this particular surgery is wound complications. You know, there's a very thin layer of tissue, thin layer of skin, especially over the, the fibula, the outside portion. So with a lot of swelling, you can start to get breakdown of that skin and that can lead to a bunch of other issues. Yeah. So, so typically you want to get to it quick or you want to wait. And then from a physical therapy standpoint, you really want to give it just a little bit of time to settle for that wound to be okay. And then you get the ankle moving just a little bit. Nothing crazy, nothing over the top, but get a little bit of motion going. How long does this typically take to return to full health? To full health? Yeah. Yeah. So pretty standard protocol. You do the surgery. You're in a boot, a splint and or a boot for about six weeks mm -hmm. after the surgery. You're starting to put some weight on it anywhere from two to four weeks. I tend to err on the side of caution and make people wait till about the four week point mm -hmm. where I start progressive weight bearing while yeah. in the boot. Right. Um, by about six weeks, you're usually doing full weight bearing while you're in that boot. And then we begin the process of getting rid of that boot. boot. Yeah. Um, so you're getting out of the boot somewhere between six and eight weeks, full weight bearing. You switch over to, to more of a, a brace. And you're doing a fair amount of physical therapy once you get to that point. You're really going crazy. And it's really about two, three months when, when I feel like you're getting back to normal. Now, this is one of those injuries um, that they talk about. You can have improvement really up to about two years after the injury. It's also one of those injuries where lots of times, um, you know, I'd say about 90% good results, but often people will almost every single time lose a little bit of their range of motion frequently have a little bit of pain or discomfort or residual issue. And and sadly, unfortunately, it's not all that uncommon to go down a, a, an arthritic pathway, not immediately, but some point down the road and in the future. Assuming there's no setbacks with his recovery and we know he's probably got access to some of the best care you know, sure. out there. What version of Kenyon Drake do you see when he comes back? Yeah, yeah, so that that that's the goal. Like if question. you're saying that you know, he might not be himself for two years. Right. So I think that people can improve for up to two years. Mm -hmm. I also think that people are sometimes completely back to normal yeah. and better long before then. The story's not over. If you're still trying to get back from this right. two years, like you can still have improvement for up to two years, but there are definitely people that, you know, six months later, they're, they're, they're back to normal. So with this particular injury, I'm assuming it's a pronation type injury, which in general tends to be a little bit worse than the supination type injuries. And the big question here was, in my opinion, is was there involvement of the, the syndesmosis, the high ankle? I think his chances of being you know, the best version of himself again go down a little bit if, if, if this particular injury involved the uh, syndesmosis, the high ankle. My prediction based on what I saw and then knowing what I know about these injuries is that he does get back to football. He, you know, maybe he's not ready to go, fully ready to go for spring training, but he's ready to go 100% for opening day. I think that he's probably 
maybe 90, 95% of what he was mm -hmm. before. And he was a good football player, not, 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 not the top, top, top tier football player going into this. But I, I think he, he, he winds up on a team. I think he's a serviceable backup or a, 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 a reasonable starter. Yep. Um, but, but career is probably shortened, probably has some issues, may, may, may lose something off of what he would have otherwise potentially have been had he not had this injury. We'll have to look. I mean, I guess mini camps start in June and then training camp July, yeah. you know, late July, early August, and then preseason. Yeah. So we'll have to keep an eye on. I, I, I'm not entirely sure what this contract situation with whether he was going to be back with the Raiders or not. Right. You know, truthfully, he's backing up Josh Jacobs, who seems to be battling injuries of his own year to year. Every year. Good yeah. good running back who just right. seems to have the injury bug. If he is with the Raiders again next year, I think he I think he makes a team. And if he's not with the Raiders, I think he I think he latches on somewhere else. I don't think his career is over at this point. Maybe he would have latched on as a starter somewhere else because he was really kind of right on that cusp, right? Yeah. Like he's he's he was a backup to a good running back, right. but kind of on the cusp, possible starter himself. He's probably just gotten knocked down off of that. Yeah. Well, as we mentioned in you know the last few episodes, how yeah, that injury bug that you just mentioned has been hitting the NFL running backs pretty hard this season. And, you know, here's another prime example. But we're heading into round one of the fantasy football playoffs in, in pretty much all the leagues. And, you know, for, for example, our recon league. Right. And uh, I've been tailspinning recently. I let Dr. Evering uh, jump me in the standings, but it looked like for a little it's bit partly, there. It's partly my fault. Yeah. Do you know Do you know what just happened this past week? No. Mm -mm. Real quick. Not to drop a ton of time. Yeah. I was playing Dr. Everett. Yeah. I have Dalvin Cook, right? Mm -hmm. I turned the game on like uh, like five minutes before kickoff. And, and I see that he's going to play, yeah. right? He's on my IR. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I got to yeah. go. So, so I, try, I tried to first yeah. change him with yeah. someone else, get him off my IR. Couldn't do it. So so the, the person I was trying to change him with was questionable. Yeah. I cut someone on my team. Yeah. I was able to cut the guy yeah. on my team. Um, and then I go to activate Dalvin. Yeah and it locks, uh, right? So then I, I'm now I don't have Dalvin playing, I right. have his backup playing, yeah. but it gets worse. My defense is also on bye. Uh, so I go to pick up the Kansas City defense, but a monster week. Yeah, I can't do it because it tells me you have to move the Dalvin Cook from, Dalvin yeah, Cook yeah. from your IR. Right. So I'm blocked from doing it and I can't move him because he's locked. Right. So I got slaughtered this week. Yeah. Otherwise, maybe I would have won and maybe yeah. you wouldn't have gotten leaked. Sorry about that. We were, uh, <laughs> we were, it was looking like you and I were going to have a first round matchup, right. but then I, I had a terrible week. I yeah. got beat by somebody that's not even making playoffs. Right. So I slid down in the standings to, I think, fourth. Did I make it? I don't even know if yeah, I made it. Yeah, you're the 60, but I think you're playing Dr. Evering to start it off. All right. Um, I could be wrong. I have to go back and look, but um, not a great week considering playoffs are starting and there was a, a pretty good amount of injuries through some pretty star player names right uh lamar jackson right? my starting quarterback you mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully he's back he might be back i'm gonna rattle, his was the sprain not the fracture right so i'm gonna rattle off some of the reports i saw and because uh, i was kind of interesting how I, I was interested to see how the reporters were viewing the injury sure so lamar jackson was seen in a low ankle boot as right. it said Therefore, they don't believe it's a high ankle sprain. Correct? Incorrect? Typically, you would go, I, I call them high tide, low tide. Typically, right. I would go high tide boot um, yep. if, if it was a high ankle sprain. So that is a that is a good prognostic yep. indicator. Yep. Josh Allen was seen in a high tide boot, mm -hmm. although he was diagnosed with a midfoot sprain. Um, at the same time, yeah. Could, 
So you, you never want to go less, right? Yeah. But I don't think it hurts you to, to go, go with high, a high yeah. boot. And so, so yeah, sure. Uh, Austin Eckler mm -hmm. uh, actually had a, the mechanism for a high ankle sprain, but right. they said he avoided that uh, seen in a boot. But right. let's go back. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Austin Eckler. Yeah. I'm assuming most people that made the playoffs probably have those guys. Right. What do you think about their realistic possibility of playing this week? Lamar Jackson sounds like low ankle sprain. I'm, I think it's fairly high. My yeah. gut is that he plays. If he doesn't play this week, I assume the following week. Right. Josh Allen? So I, I don't know why I was under the impression it was, a, it was like a turf toe thing. Is it a I midfoot? Saw, I saw a midfoot sprain. Yeah. So so there's a ton of variation there with, with, a, with a midfoot sprain. You know, I actually think there's a pretty reasonable chance he doesn't play this week right. and then maybe the week after that. Yeah, Austin Eckler. And they're saying again, they're saying low ankle sprain? They're saying low ankle sprain, but he had the mechanism of a high ankle sprain, which makes me think if it's not high ankle sprain, yeah, yeah. is it a medial is ankle sprain? Is it medial, sprain? yeah. Which and to me it might be that he might not be playing. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, so, you know, based on that information, again, you know, it's, it's doing the best we can with the limited information we have is I'm going to, I'm going to venture, I guess, two weeks out. Yeah. Um, Terry McLaurin of the Washington football team. There you go. Uh, had a concussion. We don't really know. I guess we just follow his status day to day, whether or not how he's progressing through the protocol. It's impossible to know. It's yeah. impossible to know with those things. It can go right. from, like we said, it can be, you know, you're back next week or your season's yeah. over. Right. And then the interesting one I thought I'd ask, Aaron Rodgers has a toe fracture, mm -hmm. and we, we've known about this for quite some time, but right. it seems to be getting a little bit more press lately. Right. Is this going to be an issue moving forward into the playoffs, you think? So if it's his big toe, his great toe, yeah. it could be. Yeah. If it's any of the other four toes, I don't think so. Yeah. Not an issue. It maybe hurts him a little more. You tape it, you give him an injection, you numb it up with it, you're like, he'll, he'll, he'll get through it. Yeah. Dr. Frey, we, it sounds like you and I, we have one more episode left for 2021 right right and yeah. that's going to be next week here uh tuesday december 21st right 6 p.m we're actually doing an athletic trainer and physical therapist appreciation night so yeah. we we welcome any athletic trainers physical therapists in the area right. next tuesday night 6 p.m yeah. neck of the woods brewing company again located here at 614 a little Lanes bit of a Road. different show but but yeah, yeah. probably um, well needed we, we would invite you guys to come down have a couple beers on us uh listen to the recording of the show maybe we grab you put you in front of the mic you know let you talk things like that but we'd love to have you guys down there if you're if you're local sounds great before we go ahead on and close our tab for tonight we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors reconstructive orthopedics with our eight locations and focused on you approach covering all of your orthopedic needs the energy lab the region's premier sports performance destination, Neck of the Woods, again, for hosting us each and every week, and our good friends at Timble Reel Productions. Dr. Frey, this was fun. As always, man, it was great. We'll catch you guys next week. Again, come on down, check us out at Neck of the Woods.